put this name on it. And uh, Jesus talked, and when he told the parable, he told of two sons, and we have identified that son or the youngest son as the prodigal. Why? Because prodigal means a wasteful or a wasteful life, and that's exactly what he lived. As we look at the passage of Scripture, you'll remember, uh, as I've said last week in Luke chapter number 14, uh, we started to read about uh, uh, this uh, scenario that led us to the parable. The scenario was a multitude was following Jesus, and that multitude uh, was, uh, as you can imagine, they have fell in love with Jesus and his teaching. They wanted more and more. This was literally the Son of God, and so they wanted more and more of his teaching. And what ended up happening as the multitude followed Jesus, there was a group that, from within the multitude that, 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 that seemed to uh, gravitate even more to Jesus, and that was the publicans and sinners. Now, we talked about the publicans in your Bible. They are your tax collectors, and so uh, none of us have a problem with understanding how they're sinners, all right? But uh, uh, they, they are your tax collectors, and then, of course, the word sinners uh, would apply to just about anything in generalization to all of us, all right? The Bible even tells us all of sin to come short of the glory of God. So, in essence, every one of us are sinners, all right? And so these people were being drawn to Jesus, they were gravitating towards him, and it upset the religious leaders. And I'll say this, uh, if you go and look through the Bible, the rebuke of Jesus primarily was to the religious leaders. It was not to uh, the lost or to uh, sinners or publicans. And so Jesus is, finds himself uh, in a uh, um, discourse, if you will, with the religious leaders. And so he gives them a parable. And in this parable, there's three parts. The first part is the lost sheep. Uh, and we talked about the lost sheep and he left the 99, the shepherd left the 99 and went and found the one sheep and brought it, put it on his shoulders, brought it back and rejoiced over having found it. Uh, we see the second one was a lost piece of silver and this was a woman and uh, she diligently searched. The Bible says she lit a candle, she lit the place up and, uh, and she uh, swept the floor until she found this piece of silver that she had missed or that had gone missing from her bridal set. And the Bible says that when she found it, uh, she called her friends over and they rejoiced over her having found this lost piece of silver or this lost coin. So Jesus is giving us parables and now we come to the third part of this parable and it is about two sons and a father. And the Bible tells us last week, we read these verses. It says, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And he divided unto them his living. God, he gave them everything. In other words, they didn't deserve it, but yet he gave what he had to them. And the Bible says, starting in verse number 13, we'll read down through verse 16. And not many days after, the young son, younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Uh, this is not the type of living that goes out 
and uh, 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 he wasn't just spending money on Amazon. I need some help from the ladies, all right? He wasn't just spending, this riotous living means that he was in a bad place. He was in a bad spot, and I don't want to elaborate on this, but if you could picture he was into the nightlife, and sure enough, all right? Matter of fact, the older son later in the in the parable would accuse him of losing all of his father's money to harlots, if that helps you to understand what righteous living is. And the Bible says in verse number 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. So he goes out, he leaves his father, he goes into a far country, and he chooses to live a life, uh, if you will, that the father would not have approved of, would not have allowed. And he lived it to the fullest extent, to the extent that now he has lost everything. Everything that his father has given to him that wasn't his, even his to begin with, but everything that his father has given to him, he has absolutely spent it all and he has absolutely nothing left. And then a famine come on the land. Now you and I don't understand famine so much, but a famine at this time would be detrimental. It would, be, it would mean no food. It would mean very little water. It would mean no money to be made. It would be no, no opportunity to succeed, if you will. And so the Bible says he began to be in want. And in verse number 15 says, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now this for a Jew, this was the lowest he could get. He was dealing with an unclean animal and now he was literally living with this unclean animal. The Bible says that he was in want. But look at this next verse. The Bible says in verse 16, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. That verse literally means that he desired. He had gotten so low. Life had come so fast. He had gotten to such a place of despair that he desired to eat the food that the pigs were eating. That's what that verse means. When it says he would feign, that word feign there means he would desire. He desired to eat the food of the pigs. And the Bible says this, and no man gave unto him. Preacher, that sounds awful. Jesus was using an extreme example in this parable to show us an extreme love. We'll see that soon. But as for right now, let's take a look at how that might have played out in our Bible scene.
The truth is, I've been there. I can remember me and Michelle first got married being the life of the party. Spend what little bit of money I did on buying alcohol and whatever I could, having people come over to the house. Thought you had friends. Thought people would always be there for you. I remember our lives in the early years. Michelle, I told you all this, and I, I mean it, Michelle never would drink. She watched me waste our living. She watched me waste my life away. She watched me live just like the prodigal. And the prodigal living will bring you to a place of depleted funds. It'll get you spending money you ain't got no business spending in places you ain't got no business spending it. It'll get you the desertion of friends. Not only depleted funds, but when you ain't got no money, I need somebody to help. <laughs> ain't none of your friends want to be around you. Hey, nobody wants to hear, I ain't got no money, let me borrow something. Nobody wants to hear all those things. Nobody wants to be around you. As long as you have money, as long as you're being generous, as long as you're trying to help or, or have a good time and you're paying for everybody else's good time, they're, they're excited. But sooner or later, once you've experienced the depleted funds and once you have experienced the desertion of friends, you'll find yourself in a demoralizing famine. I mean, it got bad when you run out of money. It got worse when your friends deserted you. But now all of a sudden, circumstances beyond your control you were dumb when it came to your money. Maybe even blame yourself for the friends you chose. But when the famine comes, you didn't order it. You didn't ask for it. And all of a sudden, you're in a place with nothing. You have no money. You have no friends. And now all of a sudden it seems like what little bit you do have is fixing to be stripped and taken away from you. This is the ruin of a prodigal. Last week we started with his rebellion. Last week as we looked at the rebellion of the prodigal, we never thought we'd get this far. See, rebellion... It doesn't start off and tell you what the end is. And anger, resentment, frustration, we find ourselves rebelling against the Father, rebelling against what we know to be truth. We see the wasteful living has finally caught up with our prodigal in the far country. His righteous living has taken a toll, and now he sits in a pigsty, isolated from the world, and even worse, isolated from the Father. The only ears to hear him are attached to the pigs he finds himself feeding. The pigs are beneath him. 
their religious ceremonies, they are considered unclean. Listen, yet they're living a better life than he is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again because you didn't really get it. They're living a better life than what he is. They weren't desirous of him. He was desiring the food that they ate. Preacher, how does this apply to me? I mean, I ain't gone to the far country. And I ain't in the pigsty. That may be true. You may not go home today and climb into the hog pen and, and hope to eat what they're eating. But I found in life that the far country <laughs> isn't so far away. The far country is no longer across the world. The far country is right outside of our doors. The far country still looks enticing. It still looks exciting. But the truth is, the far country has an end of ruin. Just like it did for the prodigal in Luke chapter number 15. Rebellion will still lead us to ruin. Let's take a look at what the far country may look like today. Let's put aside the Bible scene. Let's look at a modern day scene of what a prodigal may look like today. Stop trying to make me feel better. I've lost everything. But sweetheart, I've lost everything too. This is not what God wants for our family. I don't care. This is what I want. I want to go with Daddy. No, you can't, honey. Can I help you? Yes, ma'am. I need a job. I'm sorry. I don't have anything for you. Please. Anything. I'm homeless. Anything. Please. Sorry. Now, if you don't mind, I got work to do. Do you even realize how much of an embarrassment this is to your dad and I? I'm sorry that I'm such an embarrassment for you. Man, I, I, I really wish you'd come back and give him another chance. For what, man? You seen the way them women were clutching their purses it, and all just because I was walking out? It'll be different, man. I, 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 just consider it. Nah. Ain't gonna do it no more. I wish you'd give him another chance, man. That's, you need to give him one more chance. It ain't happening, bro. I'm not going back, ever.
If you was with us last week, you'll remember each one of these scenarios. The first one, a mother and a daughter having lost a child. I've stood by the casket. I've looked at a mother as she buried her child, something a, a parent should never have to do. A grandparent should never have to experience. But yet oftentimes, instead of those kind of events happening in our life, drawing us to God, they push us away. A divorce, from the looks of it, inevitable. I've been through it. <laughs> I've not been divorced. But my parents divorced when I was probably a year old. Maybe two. I've been that child at the table that wants to go with one while the other one's taking me in a different direction. Broken. I can remember going through difficult times in my marriage and praying to God, why are you letting this happen to me? The loss of a job, I've been there. I worked at a sawmill. I shut the whole sawmill down, all of us. Brought us in one week and told us, man, everything was good. Everything was going great, no need to worry. The man literally said, if you want a new truck, go buy one only to walk in a week or two later and tell us we're sorry. The mill's closing down and we don't know how long. We don't even know if it'll open back up. Frustration. I'd already started a family. I'd already began. And now it seemed like God just snatched the rug out from under my feet. A job gone. We've seen the next scenario of a, a mother and a child. If you'll remember from last week, that young girl told her mama that she was pregnant. <laughs> I've been there too. Sat in the office of the head coach of my football team thinking that my life was over. I thought that I was fixing to be a dad at the age of 17. Why? I wanted to play ball. I wanted to do. I had plans for my life. Then our last scenario was somebody that was different. Somebody that wasn't accepted. Somebody that tried church and yet the one place that should have cared for him. The one place that should have embraced him and loved him. Was the very place that turned their back on him. I remember attending church and nobody wanted me there. I was rough, 
I was rough around the edges and I made no apologies about it. I was rebellious. The marks of my life were on my body, on my life. And the people in that community knew me. Church hurt. If I can't turn to the church, who am I going to turn to? I didn't know God. If God's people weren't kind enough to help me, where was I supposed to go? Back to the friends that deserted me? Just go make new friends? This is where I was at. This word prodigal, as I've mentioned, it means wasteful. Jesus was showing us where rebellion ultimately leads. And that's to a ruined life, a wasted life. He was speaking to the religious leaders who seemed to have everything together. You know them people. They seem like they got their whole life together. They put on the facade. They, 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 know, how to, they know how to act in front of everybody else. He's speaking to them and giving them a parable of a boy that had wasted it all. A boy that had ended up in a hog pen, in a, in a pigsty, in the mud, in the muck, in the mire. Jesus was showing them how far somebody could go. How far they could get away from the Father. For them to hear this from Jesus would only convince them that they were right. God had no business messing around with sinners and publicans. (laughs) God didn't need to have anything to do with people like that. But Jesus had to show them the ruin of the prodigal's life before he could demonstrate the restoration of the prodigal. Today you may be living in a far country. Your life may be in the middle of spiritual famine. You might find yourself on the other side of the fence in the hog pen. Locked up, nowhere to go. As you look back on your life, I wonder how many of you would be honest and say, Preacher, there's been times in my life I've been wasteful with my finances. I've been wasteful when it comes to choosing my friends. I've been wasteful when it comes to loving my family. I've been wasteful when it comes to demonstrating my faith. Preacher, I never thought I'd be so far away from home. I never thought I'd be so far away from the, pre- from the Father. The truth is, it's been said many different ways, but the truth is rebellion will take you farther 
than you wanted to go. And once you get there, rebellion will keep you longer than you intended to stay. It was just a visit. But the worst part about rebellion is it always seems to cost you more than you're willing to pay. I believe, I don't believe in coincidences. God chooses preachers differently. God gave you me, (laughs) bless your heart. God gave me you, bless my heart. (laughs) But what I really believe is that God just put a bunch of prodigals together to show the world the grace of God, the love of God, the kindness of God. There's other preachers out there. There's other people out there that live good lives and they've lived responsibly. I say amen to that. But I sure am thankful for my experiences because they brought me back to the Father. And they showed me a side of Him that the religious crowd will never understand. That boy ended up in a hog pen. Many of these scenarios that we viewed today, if God doesn't get in the middle of it, they'll end up in their own hog pen. But what I want you to know, no matter how ruined your life seems to be, how wasted your life seems to be, we'll read next week, His boy came to himself, and he returned to the Father. I want you to listen as the choir sings for us the prodigal song. How faintly I remember your love song over me. But the farther that I wander, the noise is deafening. Now the only thing I feel is how far you are away. This distance now between us is driving me insane. Father, I miss you. My heart is ready now to follow the sound, the sound of your voice that echoes inside. And Father, I'm desperate, I lost my way somehow, I'll follow the truth, the truth of your love, back into the light. 
Lead me back home. Lead me back home. And I traded trust for pleasure and diamonds for fool's gold. And I made this world my treasure, but I underpriced my soul. Then a whisper through the numbness, a melody of hope. That love song I remember is leading me back home. Father, I miss you. My heart is ready now to follow the sound. The sound of your voice that echoes inside. Father, I'm desperate. I lost my way somehow. I'll follow the truth, the truth of your love, back into the light. Lead me back home. Lead me back home. But I never reach the gate before you come running to me. All the words I've rehearsed for days, they just fall at your feet. No, I never reach the gate before you come running to me. All the years I threw away in one embrace are redeemed. Father, I've missed you. My heart is overwhelmed. Here in your arms is where I belong, forever at home. Father, I love you. Nothing could take your place. You were the first, and you'll be the last. Love of my soul, lead me back home. Lead me back home, 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 lead me back home. Lead me back home.